This is the Petty Profit Podcast Weekly Man Hug Edition, and this week, me and my brothers are going to talk about woke churches and critical race theory. So fasten your seatbelts. This one's going to be interesting. Okay, hello and welcome to the Petty Prophet Podcast, where we talk about news, culture, entertainment, and society from a Christian worldview. Once again, it is time for the Weekly Man Hug with me and my brothers. Um, If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, I have seen a slight uptick in listeners over the last week or so. So uh, if you're new with us, welcome. Glad you're listening. Glad to have you. Uh, Be sure to catch up on uh, the older episodes. Uh, Most of them are evergreen, so you should uh, be able to enjoy those. And if you have questions, feedback, if you want to appear as a guest on the show, reach out. You can contact us at contact at thepettyprofit.com. That's contact at thepettyprofit.com. And I would love to hear from you. So the subject of this podcast has been kind of uh, percolating in my mind for a while now. And I think it's something that's, uh, you know, it's being talked about a lot in our churches, but I think that our churches are kind of still playing catch-up in terms of truly understanding the ideology of critical race theory and how it applies to things like racial reconciliation, white supremacy, social justice, things like that. And so I just wanted to talk through some of this with uh, my brothers today and uh, see where it goes. So I hope you enjoy the the conversation. I definitely got uh, passionate at some points in this conversation, and you'll see why. It's something that I, I do deeply care about in the sense that I have a deep desire for our country and our church to heal and uh, really eliminate this racial divide that we see today. And I see critical race theory as a huge obstacle to that happening. And if you don't know what critical race theory is, uh, you probably have heard the term woke before. Well, that's really just a term used to describe somebody or an institution that applies critical race theory. They are being woke. And I'll explain why a little bit in this podcast. So without further delay, here we are, me and my brothers, talking about woke church and critical race theory. Guys, didn't we record last week too? Is this two weeks in we a did. row? We yeah. did. Wowza. We, we keep we keep talking well, about how we're gonna get ahead of this whole Well schedule, Joel Joel was but then we went don't. And, and, Decided to be a jerk and didn't divide the Christianism into two. Yeah, what on so. earth, dude? <laughs> I really tried, but there was That's literally hard. no good way to divide it. It was, I mean, yeah. no matter where I was going to do it, I was interrupting a thought or a stream of consciousness that mm. someone was going you, through. So <laughs> you could have put I, like all of our making fun of Ken Ham on one episode and then that would have been like else. the last 15 minutes. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just be like, Man hug, a special edition, the roast of Ken Ham. <laughs> Ken Ham roast. <laughs> Ken got hammed. Uh, that was one of my early Babylon B submissions. It was uh, like 
Ken Ham and the Ark in a mighty whirlwind are are, are taken up directly into heaven like Elijah or something like that. <laughs> I forget I forget what it was something It didn't it didn't get any love. No one picked it up. Oh, oh so sad. Oh man. Um well, hey boys. Hey, how's it going? Hey it's, Welcome it's going back. Good. Hello. There it is. Oh man, haven't that's had that what we were waiting while. to hear. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's return. You haven't been working on it, it would seem. No, I, I've been busy nope. with other life things. So I'll have to get back with into that. Work. Is your is your car back and functioning? Yep. Yep. Uh, just in time too, because we're getting more snow, so woohee. That's awesome. Our, yeah. Both of our bikes got stolen this past weekend. That's what's new with us. Are you serious? Yeah, dude. What? Yeah. One of them was pretty expensive. Dad got it for me. Oh, and, man. And uh, someone just opened our little shed and nabbed them. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like everyone had a great week. That's great, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, cars <laughs> breaking down, we bikes just, getting stolen. <laughs> we meet every week uh, and we're like, this is the terrible go, thing that happened to this me. Went this went wrong. <laughs> what, what terrible <laughs> happened to you this week? <laughs> oh, man. I had a good week, guys. Joel's, Joel's been... Joel, last week we were celebrating Joel's uh, first Babylon B article, and this week we're celebrating his first discern article. Adam yeah. Ford's new news aggregate uh, website. Actually, it's the bifecta. Discern. Discern. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Do you read? It's like a car speeding by. Discern. Oh, my. Um, yeah, so we we um, got an article in Discern. It was good. It's about the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. What I was happy about was that it, I I looked at some of the reaction to it, and there were actually some Boy Scouts that were sharing it. You know, saying like this is spot on, which I was really happy about. I was worried I was going to right. offend the Boy Scouts, um, but yeah. uh, overall, was... I didn't know that whole story you opened up with about you wanting to join the Boy Scouts and uh, Dad not letting you. And then yeah. telling you why. Yeah, yeah. That was, that he, was interesting. Uh, he, I won't relay the the stories. Uh, these didn't happen to my to dad, but uh, he he told stories of things that happened to other kids uh, that were pretty uh, pretty rough. I'm not going to repeat them. It was pretty awful. Wow. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, I I did not join. I I wanted to join the Cub Scouts so bad, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. Now, hmm. yeah. Okay, so this week, this week. Um, I wanted to talk about, gosh, how do I even say this in a, in a sentence? Um, what, what kind of tipped me off to wanting to talk about this was, uh, Tim Keller's tweet earlier this week. You remember that? Yeah. Um, Do you have it? Can you read it for us? Yep. I will pull it up. And, um, for those of you who may not know, I mean, a lot, a lot of folks in the Christian world know who Tim Keller is. He's a very influential evangelical leader, and um, you know, a lot of us have been greatly influenced by his books and and the stuff that he's put out. Um, he is a pastor of uh, a Presbyterian church in Manhattan, I believe, New York City, something like that. Yes, yes, um, in Man- yeah, Manhattan, and. Um, I remember, I mean, myself, Kelsey and I were first married at our church. We went through the, I think it was the Reason for God series, which was kind of an apologetic series, which was good. Um, but this was his tweet. And and here's the thing about Tim Keller. I, for some reason, and, and it's 
it's always been something I could never quite place a finger on. I've never cared for Tim Keller that much. Nothing against the guy, but just something about him has always rubbed me the wrong way. Like, and, and see, I, I've always liked Tim Keller. He's actually been one of my. I feel like he's been more um, helpful, and maybe up until now, he hasn't really gotten on the any of the pop culture trains that other like well, John MacArthur has. I, I think you're into. in. <laughs> I think you share uh, the same feelings with most of the Christian world, Sam. I think most people would say that they've really appreciated and been blessed by Tim Keller over the years. But I think, I don't know, I think it's mainly just following him on Twitter and on Facebook as well. He puts out these, just these little statements that I don't know if it's someone else managing his account or not, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want anyway, to. See, I don't I'm, I'm follow not gonna, people. I'm not going to get down on a brother in Christ, but... Um, I don't follow people on Twitter for this exact same reason. Like, I just... I don't know. Nothing good comes out of Twitter. I don't know Yeah, nothing good comes out of Twitter, you know, and I, I think... I, I don't care who you are. It just doesn't seem to work out well for you <laughs> if you're on Twitter. It's like politics. Like, you know, once you're in it, it just does bad things to you. You know, I, I think there's this overwhelming pressure to say something really smart and cool and shareable and... People just try too hard, I think, sometimes. And mm-hmm. myself included. You know, I, I see that tendency in myself sometimes. And mm-hmm. and so, anyway, um, this was his tweet um, earlier this week. Uh, he said, Christians should look at the energized and emboldened white nationalism movement and at its fascist slogans and condemn it. Full stop. I love the phrase. Full stop. Full so stop. brave. I hate that. I think so, it's even it's it's not as bad as the phrase "That's it. That's the tweet." That or, is by far my, not my as bad most as the, hated phrase. It's not as bad Twitter. as the clappy emojis. Oh, like yes, church does clap. Should clap, clap, condemn, clap, clap. White nationalism, <laughs> clap, clap, clap. I just want to like punch the person through. Well, that Twitter. That was another uh, B article I proposed. Was um, study shows writing full stop at the end of your tweet doesn't actually work. <laughs> As in, it doesn't stop discussion. It usually it doesn't. has the opposite effect. <laughs> um, anyway, so I responded to Tim Keller by uh, retweeting a Babylon Bee article that said, brave hero goes on internet to say Nazis are bad. <laughs> and I got into some discussion with some of the people who were commenting on the the tweet and and a lot of people were saying things like the fact that the evangelicals are after Tim Keller so much because of this tweet just shows how much white nationalism there is in the Christian world. Mm-hmm. Oh, give me a and, break. And um so I, I had this extended conversation with a lady, I won't say her name, but just trying to make her define what she meant. I mean, and maybe help us define what Tim Keller meant here. So when he says white nationalism, what does he mean here? When he talks mm-hmm. about an emboldened white nationalism movement, what are, what are the specifics? Like, who are these people? Where are they? Yeah. What are they saying? And what are they doing? It's very ambiguous. And when I talked to this lady, what I found over the course of our kind of back and forth on Twitter was her interpretation of white nationalism was not my interpretation of white nationalism. Hmm. When I think of white nationalism, I think of, you know, straight up Nazism, like white supremacy, you know, like old-fashioned racism. And 
her interpretation is, you know, white nationalism is our entire culture, which has been built to serve mm-hmm. white people. And people who disagree with others' political opinions, these are her words, people who disagree with others' political opinions and people who, you know, denigrate others' opinions and point of view are, pro- are furthering white nationalism. So if you disagree with somebody, you are a white nationalist. Yes. That, and that, so, and that's, that's the, the definition and she's I po- going by. Yeah, and I pointed that out to her. Like, okay, so we've, we've strayed a little bit from white nationalism here. Now you're just talking about anyone who, you know, maybe says to a person of color, I disagree with your, your opinion on this, or I, I disagree with your politics. You know, that's mm-hmm. white nationalism. And so that just got me thinking, what a mess this whole thing is. Hmm. Yep. You know, all all these people talking past each other, meaning different things, even though we're using the same word, and the words that we're using conjure up the the most horrible images. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. sees white nationalism, and they we think about you know goose stepping Nazis and concentration camps and things like that, and you know Southern you know KKK members and all that. But that's not what everybody means, and and so that just right. the language around this has just been so butchered. That we're all talking past each other, hmm. and it's it's just a mess. And I, I wanted to spend some time thinking about it, and talking about it, and trying to sort it out, and then talking about how does this affect Christianity? How does this affect the way we should do ministry, the way we should do church, and all hmm. that stuff? So yeah, so let's jump hmm. into that. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Here's a definition for you. Gaslighting is a tactic in which a person or entity, in order to gain more power, makes the victim question their own reality. And I don't know if it's intentional here, but I think we definitely see some of this going on. Like, everyone has different definitions of what what means. And so when everyone (laughs) sees something like white supremacy, I might think, oh, Nazis. Like, yeah, Nazis are terrible and evil. I thought everyone knew that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 100% of people agree Nazis are evil. These people over here, they have a completely definition for what that means. Hmm. Um, and it it drives people crazy. And Twitter yeah. thrives off this. You know, it drives us crazy because like we're like, no, like, are we crazy? Am I crazy? Am I am I a racist now? Like, what's going on? Um, but <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of critical race theory. We are white yeah. men, so we are racist. We can't help it. That's right. that's who we are. And it's interesting because if I would have if I would have just scrolled past Tim Keller's tweet. Um, honestly, my first reaction reading it was, okay, yeah, yep, I uh, agree. Because I have my understanding of what white nationalism is. Um, and so I just read it through that lens. I'm like, cool. But the problem is when you don't define your terms in today's culture, someone yes. who's coming at it and reading it from a critical race theory perspective reads that, agrees with it, and but he but means something completely different yes. than, what, than what you mean. And exactly so, right. So that person, that person thinks that Tim Keller is on their side. Um, I think Tim Keller is on my side, and and it's just a, a big confusing and mess. One one other thing. This is a slight rabbit trail, but the other thing that bothered me about this tweet is that Tim Keller pastors a church in New York City where black unborn black babies are more likely to be aborted than born alive. There are more abortions committed against babies of color in New York than anywhere else in the country. And Tim Keller is silent about that. 
he will not say anything about abortion, which would absolutely get him and his hip metropolitan church canceled, but he's more than happy to speak out for the in vogue, you know, cause of mm-hmm. woke anti-white nationalism, whatever that means. It's 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 such a mm-hmm. it's such a a easy thing to say to get accolades, you know, and it, right. the the term virtue signaling is so overused now, but that's it just it's the only way I can describe it is just gosh dang it. Mm-hmm. Like why why? You know, you're not preaching to your own uh community, Tim Keller. Is white nationalism right. A problem in New York City. I mean, speak to the the sins that are, that are plaguing yeah. Manhattan right now. Right. You know. And and the tough thing is when you use those extreme terms, it makes it impossible for anyone to disagree with you. Because when you're coming yeah. at it and you're like, wait, wait, no, no, what do you mean by this? And you're trying to kind of clarify things. You come across as, oh, what are you a Nazi? Like you yeah. can't disagree with the phrase white nationalism is bad because it is bad, but like it traps you into sounding like a jerk. If you Mm -hmm. level any type of disagreement against it. Mm -hmm. It's it's the classic taking something everyone agrees with and broadening the definition. mm -hmm. And then once you broaden that definition, people that now suddenly are questioning, Hey, like definitions a little broad. Yeah. You attack them as if they are that original, that, original definition so it's like white supremacy it now covers all white people in the west that don't apologize for their whiteness every other day on twitter okay right um yeah and then i disagree with that and they're like oh you freaking nazi like what a (laughs) nazi you hate black people and it's like what What? (laughs) you're turning it you're you're turning a term into a weapon and it's Mm -hmm. you just throw it at anybody you disagree with so you guys want to kind of try to so, lay out some some terms here and, and yeah, kind of do that. Yeah, what well, we're talking be, about before we lay out some terms because I think it is absolutely central to this whole conversation to make sure we define these terms. But mm-hmm. before we do that, can we just kind of like where where do you think the church is in terms of how they see this issue? How do you think most people, most Christians, understand things like social justice, mm. racial reconciliation? Um, things like that. Like what what do you think is the overall attitude or um the way most people would define those terms? I think there's a certain level of naivety about it. Um Na- naivete? Naivete. Naivete. Yes, naivete. Oh yeah, there's naivete. Naivete. Yes. Let us educate all the naivete. Yes. That's my educational <laughs> privilege speaking. Yes, um, white educational no. privilege. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Male no. cisgender. That's right. So, I mean, I think when when a Christian hears justice, the word justice, that's a biblical term. Um, the Bible talks about justice, demands justice. Justice is a Christian thing. Um, God is a God yeah. of justice. And, and and so if you hear people calling for, we need we need justice in our society, a Christian is going to be like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, a Christian should recognize, I think the you know the racism in our in our past in in the in the country's history, um, the suffering and mistreatment that went on there, and a Christian should look down on that and condemn that. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have all of these elements to these terms into this discussion that 
ring true with a Christian. But I think what they're missing is that critical race theory is a whole worldview. It's a whole system of belief. Yeah. Yes. And you're not, you don't know that you're adopting a whole way new. of thinking. It's yeah. extremely new. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is not like, oh, this is a philosophy that's been around since Plato and Aristotle. Like, this right. is brand, like, this is a still a newborn baby in terms of philosophies. All of the words that are, are used are, many of them come from, you know, our Christian ethic. I mean, another mm-hmm. example of this is, is the word love. You, you hear the right. word love used, you know, for example, by the LGBTQ community, you know, you hear the, the phrase love is love. It's hard to argue with love. I mean, that's yeah, love. You don't want to be against love. You don't want to be against love. Against love. You don't want right. to be against exactly. justice, right? Exactly. Love, justice. Um, you know, freeing people from oppression um, mm-hmm. is central to yeah. you know critical race theory and 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 being woke. Uh, freeing people from oppression, and that's another. Mm-hmm. I mean, central aspect of Christianity. I mean, the, the yeah. story of redemption Absolutely. and the story of the Israelites. It's it all deals with freeing people from oppression. So we naturally, mm-hmm. we hear those terms and we, our, our first instinct is to go, yeah, of course, you know, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. I think, um, and, and just so everyone out there knows kind of, I, I think where all of uh, us stand, it's the most beautiful thing about the gospel is mm-hmm. that it is for humanity. Mm-hmm. It is, it crosses ethnic, cultural, societal bounds. And it, and it draws people, any possible person from every location on the planet, they could be unified in mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah. And that includes, like, and I tell Emily this all the time, I'm like, you know, I'm probably, like, more, quote-unquote, like, racist towards, like, a lefty in California than I am towards, <laughs> like, you know, a, a black Southerner. Like, I'd probably, like, pal around with, you know, a black guy from Georgia, and we'd be cool, but, like, you know, some Silicon Valley... A uh, white guy that votes for Bernie Sanders, I'm probably going to very much be very prejudiced towards him because there's a difference of a, a greater difference of philosophy and belief there. I think um, it's funny that you use the word racism there too, because that's another <laughs> word that's just been butchered. You oh, know, absolutely! It's, it's, it's a stand-in for any any dislike or or prejudice you have towards another person. Uh, I, I think <laughs> if you're going to take examples from scripture, um, I I think like Nazarene, right? Jesus was a Nazarene. That mm-hmm. was a, a slanderous term, like. Oh, you're a Nazarene? Like, that's basically like, if you call someone a Nazarene, it could have possibly be equated to calling someone the N-word today, right? Like, it was just, you didn't want to be a Nazarene, right? They were still Jews. There was or, no difference in yeah. Or a color. Samaritan, you know, the Samaritans right. were like... There was no difference in color, in tongue, in language, and in, in usually, and there was no difference in belief, but like, I'm from this side of the river, you're from that side of the river. Like, prejudice is a human trait. Yeah. And it it has nothing to do with and we'll get into this later but it, I think it has very little to do with power control classes it's it's like I I'm prejudiced And the result of that time. prejudice is grouping up into separate groups. Right. And that is what critical race theory is actually promoting is mm-hmm. is group think in a, in in an indirect way it's actually prejudice. You know yeah, that interesting drives people into groups interesting so so what do you think is is driving the trend that we see in some of these churches towards you know whatever you want to call it you know wokeness uh you know a lot of it is built as racial reconciliation well can we def- i think i think we should try to define things okay first. Yeah, yeah so let's let's go to school for for a minute okay um, yeah just real I, quick i wrote some things down 
And um, I think it's it's really important. I know this is this is going to be academic for about five minutes, but uh, it'll lay the groundwork. So um, the definitive work on critical theory is a book called Race, Class, and Gender Anthology um, by Margaret Anderson, and it is it's kind of the um, the the main source for a lot of this theory that is taught in university. So. Um, as far as social justice goes, so the definition of social justice, you know, according to this worldview is uh, the liberation of all people from quote-unquote social oppression. And social oppression is defined by critical race theory. So mm-hmm. um, critical race theory could be broken down into uh, six different uh, tenets or beliefs, if you will. And I'm just going to list them here, um, and then we can maybe talk about them. Uh, the first tenant would be that individual identity is inseparable from your group identity, um, whether that be an oppressed group or an oppressor group. Most group identities are broken into either the oppressed or the oppressor. The second tenant is that oppressor groups, whether they be men, uh, white people, rich people, etc., Oppressed through the use of hegemonic power, which is the ability to impose your values on society. Um, And these six tenets I'm getting from a a podcast that I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, It's a podcast called Free Mind. And uh, there's a really good discussion on that podcast that that breaks some of this down. Um, The third tenet is that our fundamental moral duty is to free groups from oppression that's like job number one in critical theory. Number four, the fourth tenet, and this one's important, lived experience can trump objective evidence, especially if that lived experience is the experience of someone in a group that is oppressed. Would you say that even that we could even say only those who are from an oppressed group? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't go yeah. both ways. Right. Lived experience for an oppressed or an oppressed group will um, you would have to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You'd have to. Yeah. Yep. Um, number five, oppressor groups. I, I love this one, and this one makes me so mad. And and we'll get into why <laughs> maybe later on. Oppressor groups hide their oppression under the guise of objectivity. Huh. Okay. And number six, people at the intersection of oppressed groups experience oppression in a unique way. So that's where you get the intersectionality principle right. of, you know, the more oppressed groups you yep. belong to, the more oppressed you are. And, and you know, a, a woman doesn't have the same experience as a black trans woman. Anyway, um, those kind of, kind of those guardrails in mind... Um, explaining what critical theory is, how does that all how does that all strike you? Does it is it does it fall pretty much in line with what how you thought? Yeah. Or? One thing I thought that was interesting when I was looking up like definitions of critical race theory, I read it a couple places where they said that racial groups they view racial groups not as a product of biology, but they're actually social race groups are social constructs that were that have been created yeah. and set up by the majority. 
group to maintain power and dictate the norms. Like I've I've seen a couple of proponents of critical race theory that say like we're actually all one race biologically, um, which is true. I which think is true. Yeah, yeah. Us I, I, here would agree with that exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Um, but I just I'd never heard that part of it. I thought that was that was interesting that um, that yeah. race is a social construct, which I think is why it usually is. But they think those social constructs are all important and immutable. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. That's the problem. A yeah. Social construct it makes sense. It should be completely pliable and open to definition. It shouldn't be the most important thing about you if it's just a social construct. Like, Joel, there's, there's so you, many consistencies. Joel, could you like send those? I want to look those over as we're discussing this. Could you send those to us or post them up in the chat here on? Um, yeah, on I. Zoom? This is. I, these are handwritten notes that I wrote uh, um, uh. from listening to the podcast. So I can send you a picture. Ooh, that that would work too. Because I don't know. If I, I I the first three, the the image that came to mind was kind of a a snake eating its own tail. Hmm. It, it seems as if oh oh I think it was like these these constructed groups, right? These constructed groups that people are in are inseparable from your identity, right? Mm-hmm. Your identity is in this constructed group. Also, in addition to you not being able to escape this group, it is everyone's job and moral duty to try to free these groups from oppression. So, mm-hmm. If your identity is impliably connected with an oppressed an oppressed group, how is it even possible for other people, unoppressed groups, to free these people from oppression if their identity is linked to the fact that their state is oppression? Like that <laughs> makes no sense. Whatsoever. Well, here's the thing, Sam. Here's what it all comes down to. I think I think what it all comes down to is Here's the solution, everybody. Just give us power and let us sort it all yeah. out. And that's the huh. thing. It, there's no ultimate end goal in sight. Um, it's I kind of viewed it as like almost like a, a a balance or a seesaw, where currently you have the the oppressed kind of weighing on the heavy side of the seesaw or the balance. The goal of social justice isn't to balance it out evenly. It's to flip it to the other side. It's to reverse everything. Um, mm. and, and people will say, well, yeah, eventually, maybe hopefully in the future, it'll be, it'll be, everything will be equal. But first off, we need to destroy the current system and flip it. But it's like, but what does that make you then? Like once it's flipped, are you the oppressor or is that right? Is that the, okay? The whole, the whole foundation of this philosophy is that there must be an oppressing group. As soon as there's yeah. no longer an oppressing group, what happens? Then it all falls apart. Like hmm. the philosophy ceases to exist. And if a philosophy ceases to exist as soon as circumstances change, it's not a good philosophy. <laughs> well, fact, I wonder if some a, people view this. It's not a philosophy this, at all. I wonder if some people view this as almost like a giant, like a stimulus package just to kind of get us over where we are. Like that's all it is. It is a device meant to overthrow the current system. Right. The, the current, whatever you want to call it, the Judeo-Christian capitalist Western system that right. is hated by these people, fallacies, logical inconsistencies, yeah. they don't care as long as they can use it, as, the, as long as they can leverage it to overthrow this culture right. that they hate. That's my opinion. I'm giving my opinion here. And I, want, I think, I think to, to be fair, I think there are probably some self-proclaimed proponents of critical theory that that wouldn't view that that are just as they don't see the whole picture right they don't they don't understand 
the real almost the the sense of revenge that is involved in this not justice well, here's here's what is is so horrifying and offensive about it to me i think of young kids people of color growing up being taught this crap imagine as a youngster being taught that huh. you are a member of an oppressed group you are powerless to make your life better unless your group identity as a whole achieves some kind of political power above the oppressor. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hopeless. You're stri- you are stripping these kids of their individual agency and free will and ability to make their lives better mm. and encouraging them to place their hope mm. in group spokesmen or politicians that claim mm-hmm. to speak for the group and it's it's criminal. It is criminal to do that to a child. And not only that, but to instill a sense of bitterness from right. birth yeah. into a child. Absolutely. And and strip them of their ability to use their greatest weapon, which is their intellect, their brain, which we all have. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter what gender, what race you are, we all have this amazing God-given ability to think and reason and make wise decisions with the moral conscience that God gives Hmm. each man, woman, and child, and you are stripping that away from somebody, and that is is abuse Hmm. to me. That is why I hate this theory. And it's, you're setting up all these young kids for failure. And, and I mean, the cynical side of me wants to say that this is by design, That, that, I mean, not for everyone that that furthers this theory, but you know, like the five, you know, the five guys at the top mm-hmm. who know exactly what they're doing are by design trying to keep these classes in their place right. by teaching well, them this garbage. Well, you can set up yourself up as a, as a savior, right? If you're running for some type of political power, you yes. can use this as an incredibly effective weapon where like, I, I will deliver you out of oppression. Just trust me. Um, and, you know, well, and we'll, what we'll it does is it actually accomplishes the opposite of what its stated goal is, which is to free people from oppression. But in reality, the greatest like purpose that uh, some of uh, this theory has is for people to use it to gain more power mm-hmm. unto themselves, so that you know, which inevitably ine- inevitably leads to more oppression for mm-hmm, people yeah. groups. Um, I I wanted to just go back, not go back a little bit, but as a listener, yeah, I just delved, in place I just of, delved deep into to my very partisan opinion there. So, <laughs> thank you, Sam. We need, we do need to back up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's good. I'm I mean, the loose cannon. Let's all here take a deep breath here. <laughs> um, what what philosophy has had the most impact on the creation of critical race theory? Darwinism. You had you had one. You mentioned to one to I was, me, Sam. I was gonna. I was gonna say Marxism. Well, yeah, Marxism came out of Darwinism. I mean, it's it's a materialistic worldview. It's, Satan. It's once okay, once okay. you have a, once once you have a starting point of Satan. <laughs> you know, no, once you have a starting point where we are just material, we aren't spirits, okay. we aren't souls, we aren't individual, um, you know, eternal, immortal beings made in the image of God. Mm. Uh, then everything that defines us is material. Right. It's all how much money we make. How much power we have, mm. how much stuff we own—that's the only way to classify people anymore. Once you strip away 
that spark of divinity, mm-hmm. God's image that we all have. It and all so, starts with once you once you remove God, you you have to replace it with something, and that's where this came from. So you're saying a line can be drawn. So there's definitely a line drawn between um, you know kind of like Western Darwinism and Nazism, right? There can also be a line drawn directly from that to Marxism, which or or classism, right? Sound of yep. kind of a definition by group. And to me, this seems to be a rebranding of Marxism. It's it's mm-hmm. it's legitimately just oh, like Karl Marx was like rich people and poor people, right? Yeah. And we have poor people classes and you know, uh all this other crazy stuff that didn't work anywhere. And then you have um you know, now it's just like, oh, now it's just like your skin color and your people group. It's it it seems to me just another form of Marxism. Um yeah. but what you're saying is you can draw a line from kind of this naturalistic philosophy mm-hmm. of man. Yeah, if you wanted to boil it down really simplistically. All the way to critical race theory. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a godless worldview versus a a godly worldview. Which and, is and, which is what makes it ironic that that it's filtering into Christianity, right? Well, you know, and that's the that's the funny thing because so did slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, slavery. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, scientific racism. It, you know, scientific racism started in the scientific community. It filtered into our churches, and the churches in turn put a spiritual spin on it, mm-hmm. saying stuff like, "Well, you know, God, God created." this race to be a special race to serve our race you know they mm-hmm. they put a spiritual spin on that poison mm-hmm. and isn't that isn't that just the the tendency of you know it's human nature that we we want to fit in we want to be accepted yep. by the dominant culture and we don't want to be looked at as cute kooks so yep. oh, how can we kind of incorporate this this way of thinking that's so dominant that 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 is in the air that we live and breathe every day and kind of bring it into the gospel, yeah. you know? And I was, I was doing some thinking about why, why Christians and churches are being attracted to this. Um, on one level, I think, as we mentioned earlier, there's, there's noble motivations to it. Um, yes. Compassion for oppressed, uh, wanting to hear from and understand the suffering of others instead of just writing it off. That's important. That's yes. good. Um, recognizing that a majority can create norms that are unnecessary barriers to the gospel for minority groups. Um, yes. That's something you have to be aware of in a church. Like, are we doing some things that are, that are blocking, you know, unnecessarily barriers to the gospel? Um, obviously, racism, slavery is evil, and churches have been involved in that. And I think all of those things are true— yeah. Um, but like we said before, people don't realize you can, you can adopt those noble motivations without adopting yes. the whole worldview of critical race theory. Cause it, it, it's, and it is an all or nothing thing. You can't just take part of critical race theory and pick and choose. It's a package. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another side of me that's, that's really, okay, here's my cynical Here's a cynical side about why some churches are adopting it. You have a cynical side? I actually, yeah, yeah, I got a little cynical side to me. I'm a berry, you know? Um, <laughs> so I think there's a part of me that thinks that some pastors are just doing this to get butts in the seats, right? Um, mm. You know, back in, let's say, like the 90s, like if a church wanted to get a big crowd, you know, it's like, well, you need to have your theater seating and a coffee bar, right? Now it's, 
means adopting the movements of the culture. You have to be woke, right? Um, And so put yourself in the position of an old, straight, cisgender, white male pastor of a church. And this philosophy comes along that says your opinion means absolutely nothing. You have, if we're taking intersectionality points, that's like at least six points deducted from this guy. Um, Yeah. And according to critical race theory, you shouldn't listen to a word this guy says. Even if he's Mm. stating objective truth, he is not to be trusted because he's saying it from a position of privilege and oppression. So if you're this pastor and you realize that there are large segments of your community that are going to write you off and your church off simply because of your identity, you're going to see that as a huge threat to what you're doing as a church. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can't just say, you may say, well... I can't just stick with just the gospel if my whiteness is keeping them from even listening to me. So, hmm. what do you do? Right? You apologize you dig for your, your own you, grave. You apologize for your whiteness. <laughs> that's what they're. That's what <laughs> you, we're doing. Yeah, we're dig. We're 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 bringing in something that will eventually devour exactly. us. Keep going, Aaron. Keep going. Keep but going. you know, you you end up apologizing for your whiteness. You repent of the sins of generations ago. Um, hmm. You confess of your own guilt concerning your privilege. You feel guilty about it. And maybe in your mind, you think that you're simply just removing barriers to the gospel, but in reality, you're actually swapping gospels yeah. um, and Ooh. and afflicting a, a false gospel. Uh, because, I mean, the tenets of the worldview of critical race theory exchanges so many core elements of the gospel yes. with something else. Yes, and yep. you just don't like, like you said, Sam. You're digging your own grave. Yeah, um, their whole uh, their whole epistemology, their their way of finding truth, is antithetical, right? To yep, to, to what we would say. And that's and I really like that approach, Aaron, because I I think that is the that is the heart of a lot of church leaders mm-hmm. that are adopting this. I think because it is tough. I don't I, mean, I don't tough. think it's like oh this is popular let's do it. I think it's I think it's legitimate fear, right? And yeah. it, and it and it's a lack of leadership. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's a lack of knowing their own your own philosophy, your own worldview, your what the Bible says about who we are, the kind of creatures we are on this earth, and you know, just you're you're scared because you're pastor and you want your ministry to grow, mm-hmm. right? You want your your congregation to grow, and and above all else, you want the gospel to reach all these all these communities around you, and and I. To any pastor out there who's dealing with this or has adopted some of these practices, like I don't judge you. Like I feel for you because mm, yeah. you are one hundred percent under attack by not only our culture but this worldview itself. Mm. So just mm. yeah, yeah. I just I I feel for you because it, it's a lose lose situation. But at least you, it appears to be a lose lose situation. It appears to be, right? but you you put you force yourself into a worse situation when exactly. when you adopt. Uh, an alternate gospel. Yeah. And a couple of reasons why it's so dangerous to the gospel is, um, you, you misidentify man's greatest problem. Um, no longer it's sin. It's, it's, it's not sin. Our own sin. That's the problem. Our greatest problem is oppression. People are no longer sinners. They're, they're victims. Victimization that's so, is the, that's is so the tricky problem. though, isn't it? It is that's because so tricky though, there create, are... sin creates victims, right? That's, that's yeah. the tough thing. Um, it's slippery. It is slippery, but ultimately the problem with, with, uh, Elevating victimization is the blame no longer is my is myself 
for my sin. It's other people around me. It's mm-hmm. shifting the blame outward. And we're not talking about cultural stuff or all that. We're talking about salvation here. Uh, that, you know, this, yeah. I think it's important for us to realize. And we're not talking about actual people who have been individually hurt either. Right, I think yeah. that's another important thing. Because there are people who have been victimized and hurt yeah, and abused. Absolutely. And that's, that's a real thing. Yeah, and we, we don't want to yeah. discount that. Yeah, but right. absolutely. I, I, and we don't want to discount also the reality that like for us, us we are born into a more privileged situation than other people are, right? That's yeah. just yeah. a fact, right? For for All someone else States is. Yeah, for <laughs> well, but some for someone else in the United States to uh, you know achieve something similar not that we've achieved a t- that much but even what we have achieved would take more work than it does for than it did for us so i think it's yeah, it's I okay mean, to acknowledge that the 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 next question is what do you do with that do you feel guilty and repent of that hmm. or does it simply keep you humble and compassionate like humble that you don't deserve it thankful that god has given you undeserved blessings and be compassionate hmm. to look for ways to use your gifts to serve others i mean Hmm. You don't have to like repent. That is that is the thing that is left really unclear by this movement is you know okay what I can follow you as far as yes let's acknowledge the injustices of the past mm-hmm. let's acknowledge that people have different experiences and have had a, a harder lot in life than me okay now what like that's one thing that it is never quite clear to me right. Um, you know, the, the next step, you know, and all I've been able to get from most people is just, oh, now what? Okay, so shut up. That's what you do now. And, I, and another and thing it, that I've heard from a lot of people is, basically, I want you to, I want to hear you say, I am a racist. I, I, I like, I think they want people to confess and repent of their, the racism that they weren't even aware is there. And they, that's what you, they try to coax out of you. It's like, say say you're a racist. Say you are a white supremacist and be so bad, feel so bad about that and grovel, right? And it's a swapping of power. They want you to give up some semblance of power that, you know, they believe you have, right? Right. By admitting what you're a racist. What does that do? What does that do for them? It doesn't do anything. It's, it, it, and that's why I say it, 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 it does seem like, to be this that? huge, widespread, like a, a philosoph- philosophical approach to basic revenge. Like there was incredible harm and hurt done to to minority groups in our country's past. And this is just like a way to simply like get back at it. Um, or, you know, cynically speaking, it is, there are people who want to fundamentally transform our country and our culture, mm-hmm. you know, whether that be in institutions of higher learning, um, our churches, our government. And I think a lot of this movement is meant to be a tactic to scare people right. away from standing up for the truth or from defending Western civilization, right. what have you. Because the, 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 the cleverness of this movement is it makes it absolutely pos- impossible to argue against. Yes. It, it, and and the, the, in, the offensiveness of it to me is, is the implication that there is no place in Western civilization for people of color. Hmm. Western civilization is not for you. You're not meant to participate in it. Your hmm. only option is to overthrow it with a civilization of your own and that that is so 
offensive right. and 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 wrong to me and racist really the i mean when it, when in reality like our this country is one of the only countries that was yeah. founded on an idea instead of on a certain type yes. of people and yes like our country was when it started mm-hmm. there was slavery right there were people who oppressed people there were people who sold mm. people into bondage it was terrible and it was awful and it was not good and it would, it was an oversight of our founding fathers but because they did not found this country on mm-hmm. principles of slavery or principles mm-hmm. of whiteness, a hundred years later, yeah. the Civil War. Because people started to say, "Hey, if if this country is built on the idea mm-hmm. that all men are created equal, and that everyone deserves to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, if that's who exactly. we are, then why are we still enslaving these people?" And so it's like they're trying to overthrow the very mm-hmm. country that actually the very mm-hmm. idea. Exactly. That brought them out uh, of oppression. Abolition of slavery was was done because of the idea of our founding, not in spite, not in, not contrary to it. it yes, was, right, yeah. And that's that's another thing that I I want to clarify. I've, I've talked about this in a couple podcasts, in, you know, previously, but I want to reiterate it here. There is a lot of misunderstanding about the history of our founding, in the sense that, first of all, slavery predated the founding. Slavery was a huge industry in Great Britain, um, you know, a big part of what the East India Trading Company did. And slaves were being shipped over here hundreds of years before America was founded. And before we declared independence, there were already colonies trying to abolish the slave trade. Already. Mm-hmm. This is before mm-hmm. Great Britain even mm-hmm. abolished the slave trade. There were colonies trying to abolish it. And one of the grievances listed in the Declaration of Independence specifically mentions this when it talks about how our colonies are trying to make laws regarding trade. One of these things was the slave trade that they were trying to outlaw, and King George kept overruling them and shipping them slaves anyway. Hmm. And that is something that is never talked hmm. about. Hmm. And the, the, as soon as the Declaration of Independence was signed, Vermont banned slavery. This is before Great Britain banned slavery. Mm. One of our own colonies, one of our own states, banned slavery before any other state or country mm. in the history of the world. And that is not understood mm. or talked about. And it, we talk about how slavery existed for 100 years from the founding. Relatively speaking, I mean, 100 years is horrible. It was a, it was a horrible time period of horrible injustices. But in the span of human history with slavery being an institution that is thousands and thousands of years old, has existed in virtually every culture that has ever existed. The fact that we demolished slavery in a hundred years is amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it speaks to the goodness of the founding ideals Mm -hmm. that we were, that we came out of. And the, the Israelites were in Egypt for 400 years. It hasn't (laughs) even been 400 years. That would be 2069, (laughs) right? Like that, it hasn't even been like in a quarter of that time. Is I'm not saying like you know, I'm just kind yeah, of saying. And the, in the Egyptian Empire was thousands history? of years old. That's and fast. They had slavery the entire time for for not just centuries but mm. millennia. Yeah, you know. And, and so think, anyway, that's yeah. And that's I think one we, thing that I think is really misunderstood. And and we need. I think it's it's important for us to say. Like, often when we talk like this, people can oh you're you're denying 
the experience of oppression. You are、mm. saying that racism doesn't exist. You are, you know, all these. That's not the case,、mm. right?、No. Like we,、no. there is, there's ugly racism still in our country. There is, there are people, so many people that are born into really difficult, awful situations, and they should be helped. I think what we're arguing is. This is not the solution. This is this is this is going to make things、right. worse. Like we recognize there's problems,、yep. but we want to make sure that it is it is addressed the right way, and that it's and it's defined the right way. Right. That it's that that we're making sure we're actually looking at the problem itself accurately, and not turning it into into something it's not, and not prov- pro- providing a quote unquote solution that actually、mm-hmm. destroys things further. And、uh, let me. Let me take a, an、sure. empathetic approach because is it's it's pretty clear we're all I guess you could say we're all like triggered <laughs> by this right like it, <laughs> I'm like we're all going off on like extremely emotional well, yeah what are what are people、um, going to say who are listening this, to this we well that we're say, tr- we're wow, trying we are defending we're trying to protect our listen to these white snowflakes over here we're doing they they are obviously yep. very yep. scared、we're、about、threatened. losing their power you yeah. can tell、right. yeah yeah. And that's it's like we could we could talk about that a little later, but I think that you know from a an understanding standpoint, you take the history that this country has had. Now, the history of this country is much more than a story of racism, and I think that is definitely something that needs to be discussed, right? But、um, kind of understanding that yes, there was a big slavery of a certain people、mm-hmm. group, right? Of of African descendants that were shipped over in the 16 and 1700s, they were the specific targets of a very s- special certain kind of racism in this country, all the way up until you know just 40, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah,、right? there are people Where, whose grandparents you know, you and and we, if you look at、uh, my recent Facebook post when I was talking about this, some of my friends、um, who are black kind of chimed in and, and messaged me later and、um, talked about how you know they have grandparents. Who had relatives who were slaves?、Hmm. Um, they had、yep. grandparents who lived in the segregated South and who had to fear for、yep. their lives when they drove through certain areas of the country. And so、hmm. this stuff is still—it's still it's, very it's much very raw. Yeah, it's yeah. Raw. I mean, and, and that's and that's where kind、mm-hmm. of an, an empathetic understanding of of this philosophy is making sense of why white people and black people. And how do we even the playing field, right? How do we make it so that there's no longer this sense of oppression of a certain group? Why? Why is this culture, a certain types of cultures, failing? You know, why are black people? Why are there more minority groups in prison,、mm-hmm. right? And you have, if you look at more minority groups in prison plus,、um, you know, systemic. Racism in the past、mm-hmm. in this country, it's really easy、Absolutely. to connect those、yeah. dots, right? And、mm-hmm. you probably could.、Um, and the 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 practice too of of inner city policing too often being used as a tax collection method. You know,、uh, the the、yeah. funding for the police departments, you know, is so connected to tickets and citations.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't imagine、uh, living in the inner city. Under the presence of a very aggressive、yeah. police force that is incentivized to pull you over as often as possible and cite you as often as possible, I,、yeah. I, I got a taste of this when absolutely I used to work in an in inner city mission, and you know, obviously, I'm a I'm a white guy, 
but I would drive to this place back and forth several times a week. I drove an old, uh, you know, rusty red truck. You know, again, I'm a white guy, but just being in that area, I got pulled over all the time by very aggressive cops who were ready for something to go down. Mm. Um, And it would be for things like, you know, you didn't come to a complete stop. You didn't use your turn signal, you know, obviously just checking me out Mm -hmm. and then make, you know, making sure I was good and And, and then moving on. And you could probably imagine like it's a day to day, like it's it's life. Absolutely. That was just a couple times a week for me. I I can't imagine living in that and having to deal with that. So it, it, I, I want to, yeah, to all our listeners and, and to anyone who who may have experienced this themselves, I in no ways want to diminish that or, you know, deny that. It, it is a very real thing that yeah. I think Christians must reckon with. But I I think the thing that I really want to communicate here is that our our very real, righteous, and good desire to recognize these inequities and come to terms with them and do the right thing is being used, those good motives mm-hmm. are being used to lure a lot of people into a very poisonous ideology. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but both both can be true. It can both, there can both be serious issues in the cultural and racial differences in our country, right? Like, we just talked about that. Also, critical race theory mm-hmm. is extremely exactly. dangerous, right? These two, you it's like, you can't be like, oh, well, if, if you see that there's injustices, right. then you have to believe that this is the fix. It's like, no, yeah. actually, um, both can be, mm-hmm. you know, bad, right? <laughs> we can see both as bad. We can see this is a bad solution to an actual real problem. Yeah. That we're so, as a so Aaron, Mr. Mr. Pastor, mm-hmm. if, it, if it's not critical race theory, what are we to do here? The gospel. <laughs> the fix. Tell yeah. us the answer. Well, it, it, it depends on your definition of we, right? I mean, Turn it's like in your who is the we, to... right? I think if you're talking about a church, a church has a very specific, very narrow commission. It's to spread the gospel, plant churches, bring people to Christ. Mm. That's the church's responsibility. But how? Uh, that's exactly pretty narrow. And if I were to push, if I yeah. if I were to push back on that, Aaron, how, how could, how is it even possible to do that without sinking redemption within a community? Like, how could you possibly say we're going to go mm-hmm. play churches and spread the gospel, but not care about oh, the situation? Well, that's you? not what I'm saying. I'd say a dis- I see a distinction between a church's mission and the individual Christian's mission. The, yeah, mm-hmm. an individual Christian. I think should, you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor. You're supposed to care for those who are downtrodden, and and, and the the church should too. I'm not saying the church shouldn't be concerned. Well, yeah, the church yeah, is made up right, of right. individual. But I'm saying, what is the so. mission itself of the church? The mission itself of the church is to baptize and to make disciples and teach them all that that God, that Christ has commanded us. And so, I guess the definition is what what's what's the we? I think there are we when we shift to a political sphere. There are certain things that government should be doing um, to right some of these wrongs, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean the church should be doing those exact same things. They have different missions. They have different functions. And a Christ- individual Christian is caught up in both of those. They're living in kind of two different worlds. You're a citizen and you're a church member. You don't want to conflate the missions of those two entities. The church's mission does so, not become the government mission, and the, so what and the is, government what doesn't is the, become the church's mission. So what is the biblical alternative to 
critical race theory. If if you know if if critical race theory is not biblical, you know where do we go in the Bible that helps to address these issues properly? Are you talking about from a societal standpoint? Like if you are well, so he, I I guess I I have a few thoughts to throw yeah. in there, and yeah, go and ahead. I guess for pastors, because I like what you said, Sam, earlier about the burden that pastors must feel, especially, you know, a a white male pastor um, experiencing this pressure, you can take comfort in the fact that your authority is not coming from yourself or your gender or your group identity or your race. Mm -hmm. You're simply pointing people to the words of scripture, to the words of Jesus. Right. Yeah. That let, let Jesus and his word speak for himself and and free yourself from that burden. I guess I, that's one thing I would say. And then the other thing, too, is that the gospel is really simple. It, it, it's really simple. It's almost too simple. And people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about that last mm-hmm. week, that, you know, God gives us simple instructions and we want to complicate it. But, you know, Galatians 3 25, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, 328, there is neither Jew nor right. Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And and that tells us that, you know, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that is our primary identity that supersedes all others. Mm-hmm. Everything is mm-hmm. is diminished in light of who we are in Christ. Right. And that's pretty healing. Yeah. I, and mean, I, th- I think I, mean, I think a problem that the ch- a church is going to... You have two problems that you're facing. R- racial... Re- let's take just racial reconciliation and the gospel, right? Those are, those are two goals that are out there. Um, mm-hmm. Racial reconciliation is a byproduct of gospel proclamation. It's not the goal of gospel proclamation. It's a byproduct of it that as you preach the gospel and people come to faith in Christ, it is... It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your social status or anything. You're all united in Christ. I think the problem churches get into That's is... That's very unwoke of God to write something in the Bible like that. <laughs> right. That's, exactly. That he would just that he would just erase people's identities like that. Um, right. God would have been canceled. But I think, I think the problem churches get into is, is using... Instead of saying the gospel has the byproduct of reconciliation, they flip those and pursue rec- racial reconciliation, hoping that the gospel is a byproduct. And I think hmm. on, a, on a societal level, you horse. should, yeah, you should enact policies, you should change, you know, systemic problems to make sure that you're dealing in an equitable and, and, and just way. Like, that's that's something you should be pursuing. Um, but the gospel isn't a, to, to elevate that as a church, elevate those things above your mission of the gospel is i think where things get, mm-hmm. get problematic and i think it's just kind of funny too like I, th- I don't think most pastors realize that if they actually did embrace critical race theory to its extent the solution would be well step down dude resign get out of there yeah and elevate an oppressed person <laughs> in your place <laughs> Like that's, that's yeah. That's what you'd have to do if you're consistent with it. <laughs> or introduce like segregated church services. You know, the, yeah. the people of color are preached to by a person of color, and the white people are. Oh, that's so. And that's the gross. thing because it 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 it's taking us backwards. It's yeah, taking so us in up. reverse. It's yeah. you're bringing back segregation again. 
um, instead of eliminating yeah. it. Yeah, it's just how's uh, how's everyone's white feelings I... doing? <laughs> Have we uh... very fragile? <laughs> hey, did you know that, did you know that you can take very, you can uh, score I... your own intersectionality? See, oh no uh, way! If you go to intersectionalityscore.com, you can see I'm at the bottom of the totem pole for sure. Oh, I so it's out of a hundred. I scored a six, which means. <laughs> So you have six. I am. No, 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 it means I am. I am ninety percent, ninety-seven percent more privileged than other people, and that is based on the fact that I am white, straight, male, cisgender, luck, able-bodied. One, one lucky dude. Yeah, I'm able-bodied. Yeah. I'm English-speaking. I'm born in the USA. I'm more educated. I'm Christian, and I'm not a Muslim. That is. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the those Here, are the categories. Those are all the categories. Yeah. And the weird thing is, it's like a slide scale, so you can say like, oh, that's great. I'm. That's great. I am. Not not totally cisgender, but I'm more cisgender I'm most, than trans. <laughs> I'm mostly <laughs> like, how do you determine that? Or like, That's one was so Jewish great. or not you, Jewish? Like, I'm I'm almost I'm not quite Jewish, but it's like yeah, well, it's you're a strange. you're an adult too. That's another one too that that yes, what I thought was interesting age. is that children ages children are considered an oppressed. an oppressed group because adults have the power to right. enforce their values on children. And that really brings to light the way a mm. lot of teachers are being educated now and the mm-hmm. way they look at your kids. When you send yeah. them to public school, they are looking at your kids like an oppressed group that needs to be freed from the the oppressor. Yeah. Which is your parent which is, which their, is par- their parents. Right. And which is why wow. you cannot question a child spokesperson. Wow. Right? Like when That's incredible. When when Greta yeah. Thunberg or David Hogg or um, any of these child spokespeople get up, you can't you can't question them because they're a kid, right? That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's let me make an observation, if I may. Okay. This this critical race theory, I think what we've said has it inherently polarizes people, mm-hmm. right? Where if you're outside of the bounds. This ticks you off. But mm-hmm. the whole idea of critical race theory is that if this ticks you off, it's because critical race theory is true. Exactly. That means you're privileged. That's why it's impossible so, to argue against. Exa- and I think that's why you see some emotion right. in this podcast tonight is they're like, yeah, we we all sit outside of that oppressed, you know, intersectional group, right? Mm-hmm. And it it's frustrating because mm-hmm. it means, and, and I think they would counter and say like, well, You've had a voice your whole life because you're white and you were born in a privilege. We haven't had a voice, right. right? And yeah, that's true. A lot of minority groups have not had a voice when it comes to mainstream culture. But trying to destroy one group, is that really going to be the fix? Destroying one group? I I, I am passionate about this, not because I am concerned about you know losing my power or <laughs> you know my white fragility or anything. I am well, passionate about this why because... I'm, that's why I'm passionate about it. I, <laughs> I, I love my power. <laughs> <laughs> I love being privileged. Seriously, though, guys, I, I get mad about this because I am so freaking sick of seeing, you know, our brothers and sisters who are of a different race continuing to be held in this position that they are in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for so many, it's a mental prison mm-hmm. because they are they are conditioned to believe that it you know, to think in this very small way, and it is a small way of thinking, it's a closed loop of logic that, like you said, Aaron, is impossible to refute. And all you have to do, it's like an elephant that thinks it's chained to, to you know, to a, a post. You know, all you have to do is walk away from it. 
you know, and and you're free. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I I I really feel for the young kids who are being brought up under this. Yeah. And I I just want them to know and realize the power and agency they have as individual human beings made in God's yeah. image. The ability to make choices, the ability to better themselves and make their lives better, that is something that has been given to you by God and something that nobody can take away. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the critical race theory that is being taught is is designed to inhibit yeah. that. And and that's what makes me so yeah. mad about it. And I mean, I can through understand. my power and my fragility, I don't care. It's <laughs> it's it's I want to see my brothers and sisters join me and 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 live live lives that are fulfilling and and free and in the light of the joy of the lord you know without constantly looking over their shoulder for their for oppressors and for slights and for microaggressions mm-hmm. um and for things that take their individuality away absolutely and i think i can understand why you, if you are in a position where you have suffered a lot and um, you've been dealt a, sh- a shorthand in life or whatever you want to call it, I can understand why you wouldn't just walk away from that because there is an element that it, it does feel good, right? If, he, yeah. if you have a lot of pain and a lot of just nasty, just horrible circumstances in your life, to be able to place that hurt on a different group outside of yourself. It, we didn't grow up really wealthy, right? And... You know, there maybe even is a sense of like, you know, I remember feeling or feeling at some points where it's like, yeah, these rich people around me, it's just kind of like, yeah, uh, like, yeah, sure. It, it, and what would really feel good to me is if like they would just come up to me and just like fall on their face mm-hmm. and just be like, oh my gosh, like you're so much better than me because I'm rich and I'm greedy, blah, blah, blah. Like, you kind of hope for their would, downfall, you know? It's like, yeah, it, it's, it's envious. Right. It is, it, it is jealousy it, and mm-hmm. it's, it's sad. It feels good in the moment, yeah. and it feels really good as you know somebody who would be not as well off. It feels mm-hmm. really good in the moment, but it does not produce lasting peace right. or joy or satisfaction. And th- that's why Nelson Mandela said that bitterness is like drinking poison, yeah. hoping it hurts the other person. Right? Yeah. You know, it feels good, but it, it hurts us. And this is why it I say it seems see, critical against. race theory seems like just personal revenge on a major philosophical scale. Like if I get beat up by a bully, right? I don't. I'm not really concerned with justice at that point. I'm concerned with beating him up back, and and, yeah. and leveling him to the ground, so that he gets what's coming to him. That's not necessarily justice, right? That's just simply dishing back what uh, what what was dished out on me, right. and usually more so. I want to up it. You know, I want to make it a little worse than what I experienced. Hmm. I f- I sense an element of that in the in this movement where it's like basically you're going to get what's coming to you and uh there's no end goal of justice in sight there's no ultimate yeah but you know what that sounds like aaron it sounds like the oppressors telling the oppressed to just forgive us and leave it behind and yeah yeah, just forgive us you know why you know just forgive us. it's and it's that's what's so this this way of thinking is so pervasive that right. people don't even, it's like the water people don't even realize they're immersed in. Yeah. Um, I guarantee you there are people mm-hmm. listening to us right now that are thinking in that way. Yep. Like, look at, listen to these three white oppressors just 
dismissing the pain of millions of people telling them that you just need to get over it and forgive us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, right. and But that implies that there's something that, that needs to be forgiven on a personal level. That implies that, that me as an individual, um, Aaron Barry, I need to repent and be forgiven of systemic racism yeah. in past generations. Yeah. Well, if Which you is, are your group identity, exactly, like that's why critical that's race theory says then, then you do need to be forgiven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's if you know if all this boils down to just one thing that all of our listeners need to think about is are you inextricably linked to a quote-unquote group identity? Because that is where all of this Mm -hmm. stems from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that, in and of itself, goes against what you believe about individuality, about individual freedom, about, you know, being created individually in the image of God, then everything that stems from that, you you cannot... It crumbles apart. That's a good point. Exactly. That's a good point. Ah, boy, oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) We were like wound tight on My this one. Goodness, guys. I'm yeah, sorry, wow. everybody. We were, I'm sorry. We White triggered, guys. Joel, that, that Major Tim trigger. Keller post really. Wow, <laughs> you, we must be White really fragile. Fragility. Yeah, we're very fragile people. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Honestly, I that that is. I will freely admit that is the one thing that just makes me puke. The like the white liberal patronizing, condescending. Like, Do you know who touts this the most? It's the white, it's the white rich people. It's They're so the ones true. that are oh the most vocal. Yep. And, and if you th- if you're gonna take this and be like think in terms of privilege, like what is more privileged than having the time and energy to like debase yourself for some sort of so <laughs> so that social you can credit. Gain, so that you can gain social acceptance? Like how privileged is that? Like <laughs> you're so privileged that. In order to gain social, like, it's better for you to debase yourself so that it's just so stupid. It's such a load of crap. Wow. All right, guys. I feel like we need to end this on a positive note here. And now that we've now that we've got all our rants Ugh. out mainly me mainly that i've gotten all my rants out thank you guys this has we been can. really therapeutic for me we can play a game of have check another your privilege yes i'll take white supremacy for 500 please <laughs> oh my i i think i i just i, I want to wrap this up by again bringing this back to the simplicity of the gospel Mm -hmm. that really is so simple. You know, Mm. in light of what Christ did for us, in light of what our identity is in him as Christians and as human beings made in his image, our our directive is to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is so simple and it is, the antidote to all this yeah. it really and it doesn't eliminate simple. it does not eliminate diversity what the beautiful thing about the gospel and and the the unifying of people under the gospel is there's unity in diversity it's not a, it, it's mm-hmm. it's individual people using their gifts to push each other toward christ and and you're the unified around the one thing that defines your identity is christ and outside of that, yeah, there's differences, there's different races, there's different backgrounds, there's different, you know, cultural things, and that's that's okay. You know, it's not, yeah. mm-hmm. you're not creating like this cookie cutter, you know, just one size fits all individual. It's uh, it's unity and diversity. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and just to give some hope to all the other white people that are in the 
Honestly, I think this is a fad and it's going to pass. And I think we're already seeing it die away. And you can hold on to your power. Don't don't I, worry. I, yeah, okay. don't worry about your privilege and your power. You'll have it back. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. You can you can rest easy in your pillow of privilege tonight. <laughs> no. um, I, I think I think we're already seeing you know pushback against it, and honestly, probably a lot of pushback that isn't healthy, like i.e. the Trump movement and you know mega Trump supporters. But good good point, Sam. I I think that one thing that the Christian Church needs to be very wary of is that that. Eventually, the pendulum is going to swing, and we're going to go away from a pagan collectivism to a pagan individualism, mm-hmm. yeah, which is exactly. a, right. it's a completely different that. set of poison, but it's still yeah. poison. Yeah. yeah, And I'm also encouraged, and, and, too, by just seeing the number of—a lot of people from these supposed oppressed groups speaking out, like— extremely against against critical race oh, like, don't don't you know don't take away i would be so and ins- i would be so freaking yeah, insulted it's, it's like don't if take i were a member of one of these groups to, and it, listeners out there like don't take our word for this like mm-hmm. if you're if because you can't because blocking yeah. you yeah <laughs> if the one thing if the one thing that's blocking you from understanding the dangers of this theory because is that we're white th- there are plenty 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 of minority people that hate this probably 10 times as much as we do so yes but yet again yes. the, the, the danger of critical race theory is they take those people people from minority group who are like, reacting against critical race theory and saying all you're doing is you are adopting the societal norms that the oppressor oppressor group it's has internalized placed. oppression right it's na 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 boo 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 like you can't win that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's impossible to fight it's against a, <laughs> it's impossible it's so stupid yeah. that's so. that's what i that like i i appreciate what you said sam but i i want to say the opposite and say to whoever's listening freaking grow up <laughs> wow <laughs> don't, don't i you should not care about the color of the person speaking you should be caring about the the reasonableness of their argument does it right. conform with the truth does it conform with reality does it conform with scripture right. screw what their skin color is grow the heck up yeah there's there, there might be there, i'm sure there was there's things that we said that probably don't line up perfectly with objective truth there are other things that are like like use objective truth as your measuring stick and and analyze it that way not don't analyze it yeah like you said Joel based off of whatever group we're a part of, right? Yep. Again, <laughs> let, to bring let, back critical it, race theory, logic and reason is a is a weapon of the oppressor. Right. So, you know, it's it's uh, this whole thing is just it's such uh, a monster. Let, let it uh let it be known all you listeners that the boomer of our group wants you to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> grow up. Grow up, snowflake. Yeah, kids get grown. <laughs> Joel, how does it feel to be the boomer I, of the group? <laughs> oh man, I am the boomer of the group, guys. Look, seriously, this this subject will get me more fired up than probably anything that I don't we'll know. Ever I talk felt about. like you were actually so kind of subdued for... this whole time, Joel. I, I was surprised. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm joking. I was sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I was falling asleep over here. Man. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, there you have it, folks. Oh, we've uh, we've officially outed ourselves as a white nationalist podcast now. So, right. 
And let us end by saying white nationalism in its true form is evil and bad, and so so are Nazis. (laughs) Full stop. Full stop. (laughs) Full stop. (laughs) Boom. That's it. That's it. That's the podcast. In the the immortal words of Tim Collar. Clap, clap, clap emoji. (laughs) 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 Critical race theory is awful. Full stop. (laughs) White people have the high ground. (laughs) It's over, Anakin. (laughs) We're back to prequel memes. (laughs) All right. I'm serious. Everything Everything has a prequel meme. meme. That's the lesson we're really drawing from this, guys. I don't care what, what race you are, what class you are. We can all appreciate yeah. a good prequel meme. Could we that actually reinterpret episode three as together. the emperor preaching critical race theory to Anakin and getting him to <laughs> lash out against all of the privileged Jedi and killing them all? Ooh. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. Oh, Ooh. it's getting deep. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> the real origin of critical race theory is uh, Darth Vader, the dark side. Oh, man. Anyway. All right, folks. Uh, we are we are at like an hour and a half now, <laughs> oh, so this is going to be a bear to edit down. But um, good luck sir. to all our listeners. Thank you if you stuck with us this long. We love thank you. you for listening. We love you, and we appreciate you. Right yeah. now. And mm-hmm. if I mean, if there's something that that we said that strikes you the wrong way, or like, hey, like let you got know. this wrong. Yes, let us know that feedback is always good. Yep. If, if you we're are a alienating of people color, and we're right. difficult to listen to, please let us know. <laughs> we would like to know that. <laughs> please. <laughs> so that we can cry ourselves to sleep because our privilege is so sensitive. Yeah. And just so you yeah, all know, no, while we were recording this podcast, uh, Sam's wife sent us all a little message, a little little tweet that said, what do you call a bunch of middle-aged white guys? And the answer is a podcast. So that's yeah, <laughs> that's that's a group, it's a group of white guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can write us at contact Great. at thepettyprofit dot com if you want to take us to task on any of our BS. <laughs> um, but uh, we love you, we appreciate you, boys. I love you. Thank you for sticking with me, listening to my boomer rants. And uh, we'll see how this one does. <laughs> We're gonna we'll put it oh out boy. on cyberspace and see what oh comes boy. back. <laughs> Stay woke. Everyone. Maybe it'll go viral. Like three white people. Oh, dude. Yeah. What if it just like white blew up in our face and it's like? And well, just, you know like, what I should do? I should. CNN. I should. I should publish this episode and then just spam a bunch of like uh, feminist boards oh, on Twitter. No. Oh, and, that'd be uh, perfect. Like just a, hey, listen to this. I don't want to be hunted down. <laughs> like people show up outside my house and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, all right. I we're dragging this out. We've got to stop it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>